0: This is the time in the bulletin, at least, where we were going to pray, and then I would preach, and uh, just to kind of walk you through my mental process over the last 30 seconds or a minute, uh, I was kinda, I was looking at my, my watch and I was think, I was timing out the morning, and I was thinking, you know, my sermon might be a little longer than usual today. I'm not totally sure, and uh, we're going to do a communion, so maybe I should, maybe I should skip the prayer time. And then we'll do it at the end if we have time. And then I was like, I, "We are in a sermon series on prayer, and I'm preaching on prayer, so maybe I shouldn't skip the prayer time and see if we just have time to fit it in at the end." So, so with that said, let's pray. Let's let's spend some time in prayer. Lord, we thank you so much that you are always working on us. Uh, Even in moments where we try to do our own thing, we thank you that you are guiding us and directing us, that your spirit is moving and working and always speaking to us. May we be ready to hear. God, we thank you for prayer. Thank you that you are a kind of God who listens, that you actually want to talk with us. You aren't far off. You aren't distant. You aren't... uh, unaware of what's going on in our lives you aren't callous and cold you care for us you love us and you want us to be with you as friends you want us to talk with you like we would talk with a friend and I'm so grateful for that I'm baffled by that and yet I'm grateful so God we come before you and we ask we praise we petition we lament We offer you whatever needs to be offered this morning. For those of us who are celebrating, would you celebrate with us? We thank you for the goodness in our life. We thank you for the ways in which you are at work, the ways in which we can see your blessing, we can see the way in which you are pouring out goodness upon us, and so we give you thanks. You are a good God, and we thank you first and foremost for the love of Jesus that manifested itself in death and resurrection. We are grateful for the cross this morning, Lord. God, we are grateful for all the things that you give to us, for our daily bread, for the things that we need. God, we are thankful that you go above and beyond that at times, and you bless us with things that we don't even need. Thank you, God. God, we pray for the ways in which things aren't right, for the ways in which we wish things would improve. We pray for those who are suffering, who are in pain, who are sick, who are diseased. We pray for their spirits first and foremost, that you would surround them with your presence, that you would comfort them in the midst of their ailments. But God, we, we too pray for their bodies, that you as the great physician would heal us, that you would make us right again. We can think of all sorts of people who need your healing presence here right now in this moment. God, we thank you for those, or we pray for those who are struggling in all sorts of other ways. We pray for all sorts of systemic injustice, things like poverty and racism and greed, for violence, for war, for disunity here in our country, and we pray that in your power you would bring those things to an end. God, would you use us to do so? Would you empower us? and strengthen us, give us the courage to stand up against injustice and to fight for things that you fought for, to love the people that you loved, to care for the kind of things that you cared for. God, we offer you all of these prayers. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I'm going to uh, bring a little prop up on stage. I'm, I'm kind of nervous about this morning. I'll just own that right now. Uh, so uh, you can be praying for me even during the sermon. Uh, we are, uh, we're in a sermon series on the Lord's Prayer, and uh, it's been really fun so far to dive into these these words that we say often, and yet, at least in my, my case, uh, I don't think about them uh, as often as I should. I, I don't meditate on them deeply. So it's been fun to really dive into these. Uh, perhaps... I didn't allow enough time for this series because it's way deeper than like one week at a time. Uh, and each phrase, despite being just a few words, is really packed with content. And you could and you, and you should. We, we could and should explore it in more detail. And, and yet, we have about 25 minutes to do so or something like that. And, and today's phrase is, is the exact same way. This next phrase, give us this day our daily bread, you could preach tons of sermons on that, tons. Uh, you could preach about living each day with a trust in God's provision. You could preach about manna from heaven, about God teaching the Israelites to trust him as they wandered the desert. You could, you could preach about Jesus' first temptation in the wilderness, which is to, to turn bread into rocks so that he can feed himself. Uh, and yet Jesus responds that, that we don't live on bread alone. You, you could preach about the Last Supper and about communion and the connection with with bread uh, there. You, you could preach about what is our daily bread. How do we pray this prayer unselfishly Uh, We could talk about who gets to define how much is enough. We could talk about the problem of global resource distribution, that some people have more than their daily bread, and some people don't even have their daily bread. Oh, we we could talk about the importance of the words "us" and "our" in this petition, that we are in this together. There are tons of things that we could explore, and I will talk about some of those things this morning. Some of those will come out uh, throughout the course of this sermon. Uh, but I, I want to uh, uh, I want to talk about. Uh, something else, or, or I want to frame it a little bit differently this morning. This is where I'm, I'm a little nervous. I, I hope I explain it well enough, but I want to frame this sermon a little bit differently. This, These words give us this day our daily bread. Uh, I want to frame the conversation uh, a little bit differently. So, so th- this is what I'm about to do. What I'm about to talk about is is really it's just one way of talking about this sermon. It's not an exhaustive way uh, of of talking about this line, uh, and I, I really hope it doesn't crash and burn. So so here we go. So I think there's a I, I think there's two ways of thinking about this line in the prayer, kind of kind of big picture, big framework uh, ways of talking about this line. Give us this day our daily bread. I think there's a universal way of talking about this line, and I think there's a particular way of talking about this line. There's kind of this fly at 30,000 feet uh, overlooking this passage, and there's something really huge uh, happening with this little line. Uh, And then this line is also very specific; it's very, very particular in in nature. And so, I I want to explore both of those aspects and and uh, see what happens. So, so the universal way of thinking about this line is that we are anticipating and praying for the eschatological bread from heaven in Christ's second coming. That's a that's a big. It's a big sentence with big words, right? So, so uh, the word eschaton is a big theological word that we use to talk about the end times, right? So, so the eschaton is the end days, is when Jesus comes back again. So this word eschatological is a big theological word that essentially just refers to things that will happen one day when Jesus comes back and makes all things right. New heaven, new earth kind of language. When, when everything, uh, when Jesus comes again and there's a complete fulfillment of the kingdom, anything that's happening around that realm of thinking is kind of eschatological in nature. Uh, big, big word, but but worth talking about. So I would say that there is an eschatological way of thinking about our daily bread. There's there's a some day way out in the future when, Je- or tomorrow, or in the next minute, whenever that day happens, when Jesus makes all things right and everything comes under His headship in its finality. Uh, there's that kind of nature to these words. There's an eschatological way of thinking about our daily bread, that this is a universal petition. This ask, give us this day our daily bread, there's the part of that ask is universal in nature. Uh, this commentator I've been, I've been uh, mentioning from week to week, this guy named Eugene Boring, he says this, uh, the prayer is for the eschatological blessing of the the Messianic banquet, that one day the Savior will come in his completion and there will be a grand feast. And so the prayer is actually asking for that grand feast. Would you give us this day our daily bread? Would you bring that universal feast here to this place, uh, this Messianic banquet, when all God's people will sit down together with enough food for all? One day. Everyone will have their daily bread. One day, when Jesus brings everything under his his kingship, everyone's needs will be taken care of. Finally, finally. This kind of eschatological, universal vision. We are praying. Part of what we're praying in this prayer is that one day, finally, all needs will be cared for. All people will be equally blessed, all hunger gone, all deficiencies erased, all sitting equally at God's great heavenly banquet table. Can't you, can't you kind of imagine it? And that's part of what we're praying here. Give us this day our daily bread. We want that day to come. When one day we will all sit and have our needs met equally around the great banquet table of heaven. It's a, it's a beautiful vision. There's no separation. there is no need. That's the universal way of thinking about this line of the prayer, that one day all people will share will, will, will have their daily bread, all people will have their needs met. Now there's also a particular way of thinking about our daily bread. And the particular way of thinking about our daily bread is that we are asking for actual bread now, right? There's a particularity about it. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I'm hungry, and, and the people around me are hungry, and there are needs, and there are actual present-day needs that we, we just want you to meet. Would you give us, all of us that are in need, would you meet our needs? This is a prayer for the meeting of normal, this worldly needs. For, it's for basic survival. God, we just need to get through the day. Would you take care of us? Would you provide for us? Now this one seems kind of obvious. There's a distinct earthiness about this prayer. We're just asking for food. Give us this day our daily bread. We're just asking for our daily bread, all of us, that we would have what we need. Uh, it, it's kind of simple in nature. Dale Bruner says, we are not told to pray for daily cake or maybe daily donuts, right? We're, this is, there's a simplicity in this prayer, just, it, this isn't about selfishness. We're simply praying that we would have our needs met, our most basic needs, and not just our needs, but everyone's needs. God, particular spe- with specificity, would you... Would you just meet our needs? Just the very basic things. Give us what we need to get through this day. Uh, Again, Eugene Boring says, The the prayer represents Jesus' own solidarity with the poor and his concern that they have the minimal means of survival. Praying this prayer... The church unites with the hungry and poor of the world, and hence the prayer constitutes a readiness of those who have bread to share with those who have not. God, take care of my needs. I have very basic needs. Would you just meet my daily bread? Would you just meet my daily needs? And then once that's happened, would you help me to share? Would you allow me to share with those who still don't have their needs met? Their needs met. So there's both a universal and a particular way of thinking about this line. Are we tracking so far? Following so far? But, but there's more going on here. Uh, another layer to explore. And, and again, I'm pretty nervous about explaining it well. All right? See, it, it's, it's not such an easy split between this universal and this particular way of thinking about this line. I actually think there's a ton of overlap, and that's, that's where I'm kind of nervous about explaining the overlap. These aren't just two completely separate ways of thinking about our daily bread. There's actually a movement from one to another, from the universal to the particular, and actually in the other direction as well. And understanding this movement, I think, helps us understand the line of, this line of the prayer so much better. All right? So there's a movement between the two, from universal to particular, and from particular to universal. Uh, and, and I, I want to walk us through that. Can we do that? All right. So, so here's where I think it might be best for me to draw a quick diagram. Maybe I'll uh, put this over here so I can write with my, my right hand. So this line of the prayer, give us this day our daily bread, asks us to move. All right, following? I need your thinking caps on. So this line asks us to move from the universal to the particular theologically and then from the particular to the universal practically. Okay, we following? Maybe it would be helpful if I, if I illustrated it. So, so the first way is, is theologically. So I think there's a theology of our daily bread. Oh, messing up spelling in front of everyone. Okay. So the theology of our daily bread, kind of this big picture way of thinking about this line, give us this day, uh, our daily bread, it has this movement where it moves from the universal, which is kind of big, it starts out big, and it moves down to the particular. And, and then there's a... Uh, there's the practicality of our daily bread, which moves in this movement from particularity, which starts small and then moves out to the universal. Okay, so that's kind of, that's kind of the diagram of, of what I want to explain. Uh, so let's, uh, let's start with the theology of our daily bread that starts with the universal and moves the particular. Uh, the theology of this, this line of the prayer starts big right? Like like the little graphic here. It starts with this huge vision. It starts universally. God's grand redemptive arc of the universe is that one day all will be equally aligned and provided for at the great eschatological banquet table, right? It's what I've I've talked about a few minutes ago. That one, there's this big universal way of thinking about our daily bread that starts huge, And, and, and the theology of this starts huge, that one day Everyone's needs will be met. The whole universe will be under the reign of God, and God will have his way. And everyone's needs will be met. Everyone will have their daily bread. Everyone eating equally at the great messianic banquet table, this great heavenly feast. All equal participants in the fullness of the kingdom all equal guests at the great feast of the Eschaton. This is the big picture, long-range outcome of Scripture, right? This is the story that Scripture tells, that, that God is busy redeeming the world, and He has been since the beginning when everything went awry, and He used His Son to be the major agent of reconciliation and redemption, and then one day He will make all things right again, a new heaven, a new earth, the fullness of God's kingdom, us in complete alignment with his will. And and when that happens, when this finally takes place, this universal idea of everyone having their daily bread, when that finally takes place, everyone will be on level ground and everyone will have enough Finally, all the people that have struggled here in the particularity of this world, they will have enough. Finally, in God's universal way of making all things right. No one goes hungry at God's great heavenly banquet table, and no one has or needs more than their fill. Everyone is sharing. Everyone is taken care of. You think about Think about the stories, and if you want to if you want to pull your Bibles open and just lay them flat uh, in the book of Luke, uh, there's some stories in the book of Luke, Luke 14 and Luke 15, that, that I think kind of illustrate this. Luke 14 starts with a, a story, or it starts with Jesus sharing a meal with the Pharisees. They're, they're sitting around in a Pharisee's home and they're sharing a, a meal. This, he's eating with the holy rollers, the better than thou's. Uh, and, and he does this often. These people uh, who they think that they're, they're better, they're the ones who will who think that they'll, they'll ultimately get fed at the universal banquet table. They think they're better than everyone else. And Jesus is eating with them, and it's a good thing. But then he tells them this story right after that uh, about uh, what the great heavenly banquet will one day look like. He tells them the story about what this universal idea of the daily bread will one day look like, where the host, who we know is God, uh, will invite a whole bunch of people, including the most obvious choices for a dinner party, the good people, but a lot of them, they'll turn him down. They're going to turn down God, and they're, gonna, they're not going to come to this party. They're, they're too good for him. So the host has his servants go out and bring in anyone and everyone who's willing to come, the poor and the homeless, the sick uh, and the lame, anyone off the streets, go get more. And, and when... That they get everyone they can find and the seats aren't full. He says, no, 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 turn around and go, go get even more and bring them in to, uh, to this, this big banquet because that's what uh, that's what this kind of universal vision God has, where everyone uh, gets to come and no one goes hungry. That's what it looks like. And, and if the story weren't uh, proof enough that God wants everyone at his table and no one left out, then the next stories in Luke 15 uh, are three stories about things or people that are lost, and then God's incessant hunt to bring them back into the fold. Right? It's stories about uh, the, the one sheep that gets lost and leaving the 99 to go chase it down. It's about a coin that gets lost that's inconsequential and yet, and, and yet the owner chases it down to find it. And then it's ultimately a, a, the story of the prodigal son uh, where where the the father welcomes the son back in because everyone matters in this grandiose theological vision uh, of, of God's universal daily bread. So that's, that's where we start. When we're talking about what, what's this verse about, that's where we start. We start with the universal. We start with this perfect universal vision of God ultimately caring for everyone's basic needs, universally providing for everyone's daily bread. But then, and this is where the movement starts to happen, be, then because of this perfect universal vision, we are naturally moved down to a more earthly, particular vision. We, if this is true, if this is theologically true, that one day God will have this heavenly banquet where everyone is welcome, then we ha- this, in- this automatically moves us into this particular space uh, of reading this text. Uh, because of God's grand redemptive plan where the whole universe will one day get uh, its needs met, we should desire for everyone ourself included, to find hospitality and provision here in the present in this world. All equal participants in society, all adequately nourished and cared for. If this is true, uh, then that should drive us down to the particularity of us wanting it to be true here in this place as well. If one day God is going to take care of everyone's grand universal needs, He's going to take care of our spiritual daily bread, then that should mean that in this place now, we want to make sure that we're taking care of people's particular needs as well. Uh, theologically speaking, that should just be a part of, of this system of God is that particular needs matter as well. If universal needs matter and God's going to one day take care of those, then particular needs matter as well. They are significant. Uh, so again, uh, theologically speaking, this is a movement from the universal to the particular, if we understand God's great universal plan for all of creation to have their daily needs met for all of eternity, then we should urgently and excitedly want to see people's daily needs met here as well, in the particularity of our earthly existence. God desires that all people's needs everywhere are filled for eternity, but that long-term vision is beginning to be realized now. We're starting to see it already now. So when we become more aware of God's daily provision for our needs, we also become more aware of the increasing presence of God's kingdom here. When we're more aware of the ways in which God is increasingly taking care uh, of us universally, we also become more aware of the ways in which God is taking care of us I- I with, with, I- in particularity as well, with specificity. And when we help provide daily bread for others, we are actually speeding along God's eschatological vision. We are helping his kingdom be more and more realized here and now and soon. Okay. Okay. I actually want to pause here for a moment before we move to the second part and and see if we're following. Are we we tracking? Uh, Are there questions? I know I don't usually ask for questions during the ceremony, but are, are we all right? Take a little breath. I'll grab a little water, and then we'll keep going. Are we good? We understand this. Okay. So now let's talk about the practicality of our daily bread because it's like we talked about earlier. It seems like a really practical claim uh, or it seems like a really practical petition. We just want our daily bread. There's a practicality of how does this work out? Like This is a big picture kind of thing saying, yes, obviously our theology means that Uh, that God has this universal vision of everyone being taken care of, and that means, theologically speaking, that we should care for everyone's needs here in this world as well. But practically speaking, what does that mean? What what does our daily bread look like Monday through Saturday? I mean, what does that look like with the people that we rub shoulders with? So, this movement uh, is one from the particular to the universal. So this, this flips itself on its head. This one starts small at the most basic and simple level. The world needs to eat. I mean, can you get much more basic than a line like that? Well, well actually, I, I think you can. Even more particularly and locally than that, we need to eat. You need to eat. You need to eat. Need to eat. I need to eat. Like, You can't get much more basic than a statement than that, right? We need to eat, our neighbors need to eat, the people we actually see each day who live on our streets or or who actually live on the streets, they need to eat. Really simply and practically, we all have needs that must be met, Right? And so, at times we're talking metaphorically about daily bread. Sometimes we're talking about food. And sometimes we're talking about other necessities of life. But we all have needs that need to be met. Everyone uh, in this room and everyone uh, around us, all of our neighbors, the people that you know, they need to eat. They have needs that must be met. So, while we may theoretically or theologically care about people's daily bread, while we may be able to come to church and say, yes, I believe that God cares about the universal daily bread uh, of of the universe, God is one day going to take care of all things and make all things right, while we may believe that, that doesn't mean that we're actually going to take care of anyone's needs in practicality. There's a a difference there, right? Uh, While we may theoretically or theologically care about people's daily bread. While we may love the idea of ending global hunger or poverty, the practicality of daily bread requires that we start with particularity, with the people we actually know. It it requires us to just start small, to start somewhere. We can only provide for the daily bread of the world by starting with providing bread for our neighbors. Uh, we're not going to solve world hunger if, if the homeless people in Bozeman don't have enough, right? We, you have to start in a more simple place than this kind of theological vision has us starting. Practically speaking, we have to start small. We, we don't start with the grand goal of global provision. We start by making sure that the food bank is stopped, right? that our homeless are fed, that that the fork and spoon has enough money to keep operating and feeding the people in our community that actually don't have their daily bread. And, and even that goal might be too, too universal in nature because the homeless, the people that are in need, these random people, they actually have names and we probably should know them. They are real people that sleep at specific locations in our city. And what if we actually knew these folks well and specifically and particularly cared for their daily needs? Well, what if we actually knew the needs of the people in our block? What if we actually knew even the people in our congregation and what their needs were so that we could could particularly meet them? We could specifically meet them. I mean, that's what Jesus did, right? He went to the cross and theologically cared for our universal needs, but he also fed people and gave people water and healed people and ate meals with people. Uh, His ministry, I mean, he had a universal plan of what he was doing, but there was a a particularity to how his ministry unfolded, practically speaking. He... Yeah sure he was he came to the cross to take care of our universal needs but he also took care of people who were starving who were sick who were hurting who were who were experiencing grief who didn't have homes who who, who weren't being taken care of jesus uh, was passionate about meeting those needs and as the news spread of, of this dude who's helping people left and right his opportunity to offer daily bread continued to grow to thousands thousands at a time at, at times there was a growth here from particularity uh, getting bigger and bigger and bigger but he started small He started with individual people that had individual needs. He started with particularity. Practically speaking, Jesus began with particular and moved out from there. And his ministry continued to expand as he continued to care about people's individual particular needs. And then personally speaking, thinking about this, we we start at the most particular place that we can. We start with ourselves. Uh, we pray for our daily bread and only our daily bread, because it reminds us of how little we really need, how much we really have, and how much we could really share. Uh, we have to start personally at a really small part as well. Just saying, God, I don't need as much as I think I need. I, I just, I just need my daily bread. I don't, no more than that. Uh, I just need you to provide for my basic needs. And in that process, I bet that we'll start to realize uh, a bigger vision out there. I bet we'll be able to realize how much we have and how much we could share, but it has to start small with particularity. Uh, You want the whole world to have their daily bread? Start with trusting God and being content with only your daily bread. Uh, I mean, it seems... It seems inconsequential, and yet I think, I think that's the way that this works, it, is that if we want to see more and more people helped, what if we just started by being content with less? And, and in that personal contentment with less, I bet you'll find discontentment in the lack of contentment of others. I bet you'll find yourself righteously angry that others don't have their basic needs. As we are more and more content with just being thankful that God meets our basic needs, I bet we'll be kind of upset that there are people in our community that don't even have that. I bet bet that we will start to care about those people, care about their daily bread, and then beautifully... And then be beautifully generous with what we could share or how we could help. But it starts small. It starts particularly with asking only for our daily bread and being perfectly content if that's all we get. It starts very small. We can change the world. We can work toward the world universally having their daily bread. But it has to start small. It has to start with us having our hearts changed so that we are content in trusting God to provide for our needs. It has to start with us seeing and knowing the particular people who live around us. Who's there? Who's struggling? Who doesn't have their daily bread? And how could I help them get that? Especially since I have recently come to realize that I actually have more than I really need. Who is around me that doesn't? And how can I start really small with that neighbor across the street? with that friend on the block, with that person in our church, with that homeless person I drive past all the time, how could I, having realized that I have more than I need and being content with less, how could I provide for those who don't have their basic daily bread? It has to start small and move out from there. That's how the practicality of our daily bread works. It starts in this really small, simple place where I'm just content and thankful for how God has provided my daily bread. And then it moves out from there as I seek to be a blessing to other people who don't have their daily bread met yet. Uh, Okay, again, to pause just for a second. Are we tracking? Questions? We're good? Uh, so I think the point then, uh, and, and we see it on bumper stickers as like, think globally, act locally. Uh, and I think that's kind of the point. Uh, I think the point is to think big and to act small. To think universally and to act particularly. To think big, grandiose, uh, God will one day reconcile all things to himself and take care of everyone's daily bread. All will be on equal playing field. And then to move out to act particularly, to to love the people that are around us, to to love God, which is this big, grand idea, but to do so by loving our neighbor and ourself, To, to love God universally, by loving in simple, small ways. To feed the world by feeding those in our midst, ourselves included. Alright, final thing I want to say. And then we're going to take communion together. Uh, final thing. Don't pray these words unless you really mean it. I'm, I'm pretty serious and I'm preaching to myself. I'm not sure I want to, shouldn't have said these words at the beginning of the, the, the service this morning. I mean, think about the nature of what we're praying, right? Give us today our daily bread. Like, would I actually be content with that? Like, what if that's all God gave me? How mad would I be? Right? I was talking with the kids in Sunday school this morning about about the Israelites traveling in the desert and receiving manna, right? They got their daily bread and they were not happy about it. They wanted meat and they wanted water and they wanted to go back into slavery because I'm sick of my daily bread. That prayer did not work well for them. Uh, And yet we say this prayer, we say these words every week, give us this day our daily bread. Uh, This prayer is actually pretty tough news for most of us. Uh, because if God actually listened to us and did what we're asking, it would require that we learn to survive on a whole lot less. It would mean us being content when we don't get that next promotion, when we don't get that that new car, when we don't get all the things that we kind of live as if we're entitled to get. It would mean us just being okay. And I, I'm not... Sh- I'm not sure I'm ready for that. I'm not sure I'm ready to pray that prayer. So don't pray these words unless you're ready to. Really, sincerely, trust God to provide for your daily needs because that might be all he provides. And will we actually be content with just our daily bread? I hope so. I hope that's the way that we're moving as we seek to follow Jesus and we seek to be more and more attuned to what he wants for us in the world. I'm just not sure that I would be. I want to be. I want to trust God that way. I want to be content with him taking care of my most basic needs. So let's, let's give it a shot. Let's do it. Let's trust that the God of the universe, our Father, whose name is holy, whose kingdom is coming, and whose will is good, pleasing, and perfect, will actually take care of us. That we will be okay with less and that we will actually realize that we have so much to share when we aren't just hoarding it for ourselves. Heavenly Father, give us today our daily bread. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for how you take care of us. You are good to us, and uh, sometimes we don't realize that. Sometimes we want more than we need. Sometimes we want what other people have, and we aren't content with what we have. And so, God, I pray that as we pray this prayer, give us this day our daily bread. We would learn to be content with what you have given us, and that we would learn and be encouraged to share when we have more than our daily bread that we would look around us and find the particularity of our world, the people in our very lives, the people living down the hall in the dorm from us, the people living across the street from us on our block, the homeless people that we pass each and every day as we drive the streets of Bozeman, that we would look into the eyes of the particular people that we lived with and we would wonder if they're being taken care of and that we would actually be the people that provide their daily bread. God, give us the strength to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. We're gonna end our service.